Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. For years now, twin brothers Jack and Patrick Pierce's high-energy duo Pierce Brothers has been a staple of the Australian indie folk or blues and roots scene, captivating festival goers and headlining sold-out venues the world over. Exploding onto the world stage in 2014, the brothers started their journey as buskers on Bork Street, alongside other incredible busking acts Tash Sultana and Tones and I. Soon, the Melbourne duo began a steady journey building audiences and selling out shows all over the world. Supporting artists the likes of The Cat Empire, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, Tones and I and Tash Sultana, just to name a few. The band's music has grown with them over the years and has seen them release a number 13 debut album on the ARIA charts and two top 10 ARIA EPs. Having established themselves as an integral part of the music scene in Australia and abroad, the brothers have toured relentlessly, honing their craft and gaining fans across the globe as they go. Up next on Celeb Savant, we've got Jack and Patrick Pierce, otherwise known as Pierce Brothers. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your life? Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, we it's are great to be here. sitting at Jack's place up in the hills of uh, Melbourne, Victoria in Australia. Yeah, it's very cold at the moment. Yeah, it's, I live <laughs> in the city. Jack lives out in the sticks. Okay, but wait, you, you say it's cold, but you, uh, for the guys listening, we're on Zoom. You're wearing t-shirts. Obviously, it's hot inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we're we're uh, so yeah, so we're on Zoom. We're sitting in. Jack's just built a little uh, a music studio, so we've yeah. just been writing some music, yes. and putting some things down, and then uh, yeah, he's he's also installed a heater. So uh, okay. yeah. and I say it's cold. It's like it's ten degrees. Like it's not crazy cold. Yeah. It's not it's, like it's snowing or anything like okay, that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cold the way Cape Town gets cold. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, I mean, like Joburg's cold at the moment, and I mean, two jerseys and a jacket, and that's we're at like thirteen degrees. <laughs> it's pretty similar cool so yeah. let's rewind all the way back to the very beginning so tell us at what age you guys got motivated and invigorated to pursue music and how the journey followed on from there well i'd say that uh, we always loved music when you were younger but i think starting to play guitar around what were grade six so what's that about 12 years old mm -hmm. uh, our older brothers were were the youngest of five kids oh, four wow. old mum and dad going for number four and got four and five <laughs> and they uh and so we had two older brothers that played guitar and we just wanted to be as cool as our older brothers. So I know that's what it was like for me. Yeah. And uh, our uncle used to play guitar whenever we'd go camping and he was a great guitarist and um, a great folk singer. And so that kind of set the ball in motion of, of us wanting to play. As far as performing goes, I think that we just kind of always had a bit of that center of attention kind of yeah. wanting really you know everyone here, look at me i'm just the right amount of insecure that i need constant validation <laughs> which really just leads me into the musician's lifestyle quite well <laughs> that's so funny i laugh because i think i'm the same <laughs> yeah no no i think a lot of i think a lot of musicians would hear that and go yeah yeah, yeah that's that fair right. yeah <laughs> So I read up that you started doing buskin. What was that like? Yeah, that was great. There's a spot in Melbourne called Burke Street, which is sort of like the 
there's a big sort of mall and stuff on it. And it's in the center of Melbourne. They get about 10,000 people walking down there an hour, you know. Oh, wow. And okay. we got chatting with who are now our managers. They were in a band called Bonja and they'd done it. And they said, we were sort of just starting up. And we said, what do you reckon? They said, get down there and start busking. We'll lend you some of our gear. It's unbelievable. So we went down there with some CDs and just got stuck into it. This is before like Spotify were dating ourselves here. Yeah. This is before Spotify had <laughs> really taken off and CDs were still king. Yeah. About 10 years ago or 11 years ago, we sold like 150 CDs in, in a couple of hours and we we're like, oh my God. Yeah, well, so then we went back the next day and we did it again and then we did it again and yeah. did it again. And we ran out of CDs. And, and so then we, we ran out of CDs. CDs. In the first year, we sold like 30,000 records of this thing. So we quit our jobs. We're like, this is fantastic. And then we started talking. Like, then I was talking, I remember Tash Sultana was 15 at the time and I spoke with Tash and I was like, hey, you got to start busking. And Tash was like, yeah, sweet. And then Tash got into it. And that's how that whole journey started with Tash. Yeah. And there was a time when we were busking there, Tash was busking there, and Tones and I was working in the surf shop and would come out and watch us. So a- and then Amistat as well. Amistat, who yeah. have really blown up, they were busking at the same time. So yeah, yeah. all these musicians were sort of all sitting on Burke Street at the, at the same time and just talking and playing music. I remember a couple of years ago, I was on a bus uh, in the middle of the night. We were on the tour bus in Germany. Uh, and I was sitting there with Tash and we just, we just played some, we'd supported Tash at some big arena somewhere. And we just sat there just waxing poetic about how easy it all used to be. There was no emails or managers or labels. You just wake up and you're like, you were really looking at it through rose colored glasses. You yeah. Know? Just going, oh, yeah, how well, easy was life? While you're sitting on a tour bus. While you're sitting on a tour bus. And I was just like, I mean, come on, this is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to add Tash and Tones and I to my list because I've already interviewed Amistad. So I need to get the, all four of you into my cat, uh, repertoire. Absolutely. So there we go. <laughs> Yes, you mentioned that 10 years ago there were CDs and now there's the digital platforms. I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware that the physical is making a comeback. A couple of years ago, CDs had an increase in sales first time in 21 years. Last year in the UK alone, vinyls sold 5.5 million copies, biggest since 1990. Cassettes are making a comeback. So we have this physical growth again. I love me a CD. I love the aesthetic of holding something. I think that's what it is. I think it's a it's a tangible thing. Yes. You know? But I think that's why people lent more towards vinyl than they do C D. Yeah. Because they like uh, look, some a lot of people will buy it because they like the putting down the needle and listening to it front to back. Yeah, and some people just love the artwork. Yeah. So you're buying the artwork yes. and you're buying a big tangible thing. And yeah, I mean, if you're gonna like I I understand vinyls and stuff. Cassettes, I know they're making a comeback and they're cool <laughs> to look at and stuff, but they're not practical. No. Like, and vinyl's not practical, but vinyl's fun. No, you but know? vinyl's you put like, the needle down. Oh, no. You go through the whole thing, you have a glass of wine. No, but vinyl's great. It's, it's you know, you, the, the famous thing of the vinyl connoisseur. Oh, no, the thing I love about vinyl is it's expensive, but it's also really difficult to use. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, for me, I'm the CD person, so I've got the easiest of the three. But yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. What, what is your perception, though, of the digital platforms? We've discussed the physical. What are your thoughts around the digital? I use it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I definitely a user of it. I, I've got Apple Music and uh, I go for a run listening to that. Pierce Bros has Spotify. Uh, yeah. I was always know. really romantic about, uh, about like the, because I, I, I studied film as well and I'm a big music, uh, a big film buff. Mm. And I always was really romantic about the video store and I used to love just going into a place and yes. walking down and get all the things. I love that. Um, and when I've sort of moved out like eight or nine years ago, like one of the last video stores was like just down the street. 
I never went there because <laughs> it really is just that, that easy to use. And so yeah. I was really romantic about it, but I, like I get it. It's, it's, it works. It, yeah. it, it works quite well. So well, you know what frustrates me, me about it a little bit is so I teach spinning classes in the evenings and I create playlists of Spotify for that. Like I created these playlists a long time ago and I'll go into a playlist. And I'm like, oh, the song has been removed. Oh, another songs, and I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking over fifty, a hundred songs. All of a sudden, that were there are no now no longer there. Whereas if I've got the CD, then it's always mine. I'm not. There's not this uh, worry. Oh, yeah. songs are going to be taken away from me or removed for whatever reason they're being taken away. So that well, that irritates me. Yeah, yeah. Well, for for a long time we we and it didn't end up happening. But we were supposed to do the Rodriguez tour in Australia, and they're like yes. two weeks out. He was too sick and, and he cancelled sure. the whole thing. We got gutted about. But uh, at the time, Rodriguez wasn't on Spotify in Australia. Like uh, Cold yeah. Fact and what was the other one? Like uh, neither of those albums were on there. There was yeah. like some li- like one or two live tracks and that was it. And But I had the old CD from a while back. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rodriguez exactly- is massive yeah. in South Africa. He is massive. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, we all saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you guys. What was the progress from the busking to the records and the label and the touring and so forth? So we, uh, so busking kind of lent into touring. A big part of our live show is still d- dictated from our busking days. You know, we're yeah. very boisterous, jumping around, always seeking attention, that kind of thing. <laughs> and that really bled into our performance style. And, and because that was so successful, we could start doing shows at venues and putting tickets on stuff. First person that we got uh, from there was a booking agent who ended up starting a management company called Lemon Tree Music. His name was Regan. And so then he became our manager uh, alongside his partner, Dave. So Regs and Dave were our managers. And, and Regs was our agent for a long and time. And Regs was our agent, but then Harry started being our agent while Regs focused just on management. So then, then we had these two parties all working with us as we were putting music together. And then we put together a single back in 20, or I want to say 2014. And then that, called It's My Fault. And Regan, our manager, spoke with this bloke in the Netherlands called Dave. And Dave kind of, uh, so it was the second Dave, and he kind of broke us into Europe. And uh, that kind of had a bit of a hit. And then the labels started knocking, and that's sort of where all that came from. Yeah, so it was, it was just one step at a time. Uh, yeah. Know, kind of yeah. Over. Sometimes we need to hear messages from other people, because sometimes I'm like, Six months ahead of where I want to be energetically. And I'm like, why am I not there? And I'm like, so thank you for giving me that message again. Once again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, are you the third set of twins that I've interviewed for the podcast? I'm a sat being one, another one and uh, Lockenville, which is a local South African uh, group. So my question to you guys as twins and as brothers, having lived together and now working together, is there any friction or is it just you guys are so in sync that uh, it just flows? No, there's so much friction. Oh, yeah. That's so, take a guess. So, so <laughs> much friction. It's wild. Our, our whole team has had to deal with it for years. We uh, blow I've, up I've, each other. I've just come, I've just come back uh, from, from holiday. So yeah. I think Jack's still been running the, the whole shop pretty well. So pretty well, he says he's been running it pretty well, but it's a good thing I'm back for no, God's no, sake. So, so what I mean is that everything's very relaxed at the moment. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm usually I'm usually the stress head, so I've yeah. come back at everything. See, we've we've, alwa- we've always butted heads quite a lot, but I think I I remember asking Amistad about it once, yes. and um, 
And I was like, do you guys, do you guys fight? They're like, yeah, not too much. They're t- the two nicest guys in the whole world. They're just such chillers. Yeah. It's interesting you say, say that because when I asked them that question, they said the only thing they have in common is the music. They disagree about everything else. That's what they told me. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe therefore, their form of disagreement is chilled version compared to your guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As is, uh, as, as, as is miserable for the rest of the team, you know, <laughs> grumpy. <laughs> Belligerent. Well, yeah, yeah. Grumpy and belligerent is what, uh, what our <laughs> yeah. nicknames could be. Yeah. Cool. Now from zero to a three to four minute song, you said you guys are busy working on new music or music at this moment. What That's is right. that process? Is it easy every time? How do you create? What motivates it? Tell us the musical journey of creating a song in your world. Well, first we have a massive argument. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, that's, it's, we're actually, our keys player, Dara Manas, uh, is writing this new album with us. And it's sort of, it's great because this is the first time we've really had a, a, a third vote. So he'll be the tiebreaker. And it's really just stopped both of us. We're working a lot better together because we're not just going, no, we each have opposing ideas. We've got someone yeah. going, no, choose that one. And we're actually getting things done. Okay. At, the moment, at the moment, we're taking a different tack. What we've usually done in the past is come up with ideas and then kind of fleshed out an idea and usually in the studio we'll either get it done and then I built this studio that we're, that we're sitting in and um, at the moment we're trying to write a quantity over quality. Yes. The idea is any idea that you have, instead of leaving it as an idea, get it finished as fast as possible. That means the form is done. Lyrics are done. It does. They don't need to have to be perfect. They just need to have to be finished. And then we take it to each other. And then once that whole idea is there, then we jam. And in the jamming, that's where the absolute magic happens. A lot of our songs, the good ones, have all come from when we're doing soundcheck. And we just start jamming. And then everyone sort of just falls into step of something. And And then we just go, oh, let's do this. And then someone just puts their phone down and just records it. And that's always our best work. Always. But just just, just before we got on this podcast, we just put something up, which is exactly how that song happened. Yeah. That's our our single. We've got a show on Friday night and we're going to try it as the first song. And uh, we haven't really rehearsed it, but it's not difficult. We don't write difficult songs. And that's the good thing about this particular one is that it's intuitive because it came from that live place. This is something we've done before where we sort of will go in like writing like a Jack White song. Yeah. You know, we'll have a really Let's sort do of... a Black Keys kind of thing and then write all the different parts and that can be and, quite difficult. And then we, we really have to We go that. to play it and then we're like, this isn't easy. Yeah. Whereas... Uh, <laughs> which is fine, but it just means that the first few times we play it, it doesn't yeah. sound like we're playing it intuitively. Yeah. It yeah, sounds yeah. like we're attempting something because yeah. we don't... I because rehearse enough. <laughs> that's right. And because we are attempting then, it and we haven't nailed it yet. Yeah. And then people come and see us and they say, like, what did I pay for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure. Uh, but I, no, yeah, we're going to, the, the idea is that, um, I'm not sure when, when this goes live, we probably would have already done the show, but, uh, yeah, you, we could, you could check back in, but we, um, it's going to be the first track of the night. So that'll be okay. very interesting. Yeah. We're going to film it. So I'll, yeah, that's right. I'll send okay, it to you. Okay. Good. 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 <laughs> now I love this game. My recipients don't generally like it. And one of you is going to have time to think, which is okay. I recognize if I had to ask you guys this question in two days, two weeks, two hours, I know your answer would be different every time I ask this question. And it's not necessarily your favorite, but Jack, if you had to play five songs by other artists once we finish this recording, what would those songs be and by whom? Okay. Uh, you'd have the Lumineers, uh, Gloria. 
yeah, not Gloria. What was the one? What's the song? Uh, Leave this town, not stubborn love. Oh, it's off the top Cleopatra album. It's the first single. Back yourself a suitcase, dear. Back yourself a favorite. Heads on the floor, sleep on the floor by the Lumineers. Uh, you'd have Cuthbert and Sons, The Cave. Yeah. You'd have something off. No, he's, he's, he's asking me. You oh, can't okay. do it. You guys, <laughs> can I write, you're not you can write some things down, down. down while he's talking. I, I I think that I'd have a classic in there, like Electric Light Orchestra, something yeah. like that. Telephone lines, you know. Okay, okay. That'd be right. I know. Yeah. Uh, and then, but I, and then I play them. So I think something cool, like an old Jack Johnson, would be fun. And then I, uh, so you know, if I had to pick an old Jack Johnson, maybe Blake. And then number five, who've I been really digging? Um, you know what? I'll go with a classic and do Bonnevere forever, forever, forever ago. Brilliant. Over to you, Patrick. You've had time. You've had time. Yep. Um, all right. So uh, I'd say Marcus Mumford going back to Kansas yeah. is something I love at the moment. Um, You're Not Special, Babe, by this uh, oh, yeah. uh, uh, this Irish artist called Orla Gartland. Okay. She's got one of the best records I reckon I've heard in the last year or so. Yep. Um, Need Never Get Old by Nathaniel Rateliff. Now, uh, probably maybe Persevere by um, oh, yeah. Gang of Youths, 100%. but possibly there's there's several on the Go Father in Lightness or The Angel of Eighth Street actually would be sick yeah, by, no, by Gang of Youths. Uh, yeah. And also I would... The Heart of Muscle. It's got to be The Heart of Muscle. Yeah, or... Any, anything off that record. Just do that whole record. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> say, say Yes to Life, actually. Say Yes to Life say, is what I was thinking Say of. Yes to Life yeah. would be the Gang of Youth. 100%. One. And then yeah. I'd say Paul Kelly from St Kilda to King's Cross. Listen, let's check them out. Some of them I don't know, so I'm going to add them and listen to them later. So moving on, what do you guys enjoy about performing live? I think the best part about performing live is when you can really get into a flow state yeah, of energy. That's what I was going to say. Then the, that you can just be taken away by the music, but also by the performance and the space that you're in and the yeah. audience. And you, that you're sharing something together with an audience. Some, and when sometimes you, can, you don't get there either. No, sometimes you don't get there. But yeah. but searching for that plane of yeah. existence to sit there flowing with the audience. And when you're sitting there in harmony and moving through a space like that, that's one of the most special feelings in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we always strive to achieve. Yeah, and but, there's a, there's a few tricks to try and get there. Yeah, uh, I know for myself to get into that flow state. Something that I've recently discovered is dancing a lot more to free myself up. Yeah, I can get quite flamboyant on stage, and that that immediately puts me right in the in the space of somewhere someone with less inhibitions, so that the audience can feel free to express yeah. themselves a little bit more, and I can. And that's how I usually try and get there. But that's my favorite thing about. I've I've actually found recently what I used to do was have a couple of beers before going on stage <laughs> to loosen up, and I've recently that's kind of started working against me. And the last few shows I've just been stone cold sober, and I've found that that's actually so much better for me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what's changed, but something's just sort of changed in me that I'm just I play I'm so much more relaxed now when I'm just completely. Are we just growing up? Oh, fuck, I hope not. <laughs> But no, you know um, what? Possibly it is. And I'm just throwing this out there because alcohol yeah. takes away a person's inhibitions. And you might have yeah. um, had aha moments or released stuff in inverted commas 
that was there that you now no longer need alcohol to release uh, to release those. Yeah, You're just being well, in, yeah. In now I feel yeah. like, I'm, and and you know, it, it also could be that we're not playing every single night like we used to, so. I need to be a little more focused, but I find that um, if I'm not as tuned into it, then I can, it'll stress me out. Now, just being completely, yeah, I, if I have to focus on it, then I'm not in the moment and I'm not enjoying myself. Yes. I've got a question for you. But we've just had six That's weeks. lately. Yeah, I've, I've got a question. We've just had six weeks off and we did two shows on the weekend with no rehearsals. And how did you feel going into that? I was really nervous, but then again, I didn't, have a drop to drink so i was completely focused and those, those shows went really well and how do you feel about this weekend big hometown show packed audience it's going to be you know the no bigger venue it's going to be great i'm feeling really good about it <laughs> I'm feeling, and especially playing this new one at the start i'm feeling really good about it so the podcast is listened to throughout the world as a final message to the listening audience what would you like to say be well yeah <laughs> enjoy listen try and listen our keys player listens to a new album every single day and he writes down his thoughts on it into a spreadsheet wow. he's been doing it for the last five years i'm not saying go and do that <laughs> but just try and listen to some new music uh all of gartland gang of youths some australian ones paul kelly is like I, our sort of classic i've heard the pierce brothers are okay yeah, yeah no, you know i've heard they're fantastic <laughs> But uh, yeah, and we um, we love South Africa, and we oh can't yeah, wait to that's get back that's, there. Some, that's something I'd say. If you can make it out to South Africa at some point in your life, do it because it's spectacular. Yeah.